Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. Six of you are going good, amazing. How's everyone doing this morning? Hey, if you don't know me, my name's Mason. I'm one of the pastors here at Resound. We're going to come around the Word of God this morning. Is that okay? Amazing. John... Chapter 20, verses 11 to 16. John chapter 20, verses 11 to 16. Before we read the passage of Scripture this morning, let me give you some context. Jesus has died. Spoiler alert if you're just in Genesis of the Bible, but Jesus has died. Uh, then the Jews rested on the Saturday Now there is a group of women coming to the tomb to adorn his body with oil and spices and perfumes. For it was their custom to honor the person, to honor the body, to cover the smell of death. They would come and they would bring perfumes and spices and oil to lay on the body. Uh, Among this group of women was a woman named Mary of Magdala. We know her now and she's come to be known as Mary Magdalene. Uh, She was a faithful follower of Jesus. More than that, she believed Jesus was the Son of God and the Messiah. From every account, Mary Magdalene uh, continued and was faithful with Jesus in his trial, in his death, in his burial. And now she comes three days later to adorn the one that she had come to know as the Son of God. They get to the tomb, this group of women get to the tomb. They realize that the stone has been rolled away and the tomb is empty. There's a moment of panic and confusion, not knowing what had happened. They kind of thought, has someone taken them? How unfair. Haven't they done enough to us that now they would take the body of our Lord? They're all confused. Mary runs off to go and get two of Jesus' disciples, John and Peter. John lets us know that they started off, him and Peter started off the race to the tomb at the same time, but John was faster than him. John gets to the tomb first, looks in confirms what Mary had said, the tomb is empty. And Peter, just a triple check, goes in, confirms that the tomb is empty. They still hadn't put the dots together yet of what Jesus had talked about that he was going to raise, so they were a little bit confused. And the group and everyone is, there's confusion and desperation around what had happened to Jesus. And as the voices drift off into the distance and they all leave the tomb, there is Mary of Magdala sitting at the tomb, the empty tomb of Jesus weeping. And that's where we pick up the story in John chapter 20. It says this, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus's body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not recognize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go get him. Jesus said, Mary. She turned around and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, Lord. Can we pray this morning? Lord, I pray that we, as we come around your word this morning, that we would see you. We would see your cross more clearly. We would see your resurrection more clearly. We would see the life that you're calling us into more clearly. Lord, I pray that anything that's of me would fall to the ground, but anything that's of you would pierce the hearts of everybody listening. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You see, you have to understand that Jesus didn't just give Mary hope. Jesus was Mary's hope. She was everything to Mary. Mary had come to know him as the Messiah, the one that was going to come and set them free, the one that was going to change everything. And she didn't just know this because of information. She knew this through experience because what had Jesus done for her? Jesus had set her free. Jesus had given her a new way to live, a new life. Jesus had given her peace and hope. Jesus had given her fulfillment and purpose. And in this passage of Scripture, as we see Mary weeping at the tomb of Jesus, uh, hope was not only dead, but hope was lost. Further than that, she begins, as we can see the desperation in the Scripture, as she begins to lose all the things that hope had brought her, life. Fulfillment, purpose, answers, belief, identity. All these things as she weeps at the tomb of Jesus are slowly drifting away and she's looking for it again in an empty tomb. You see, Mary could very well be a parallel picture of the world today. And if she is a parallel picture of the world today, then she very well could be a parallel picture of some of us in this room today. Lost. Searching for fulfillment. Searching for answers. Searching for meaning. Searching, looking, but looking for it in all the wrong places. Looking for it in all the wrong places. For hope, life, fulfilment, purpose is not found in empty tombs made by man, but is found in the man who rose from the tomb. His name is Jesus. Have you ever lost something before? I have too. I constantly lose my phone. Is anybody else like that? I feel like I'm always looking for my phone, asking for my phone. I've been guilty of, uh, you know, searching for my phone for a couple minutes, turning up couch cushions, looking under beds, all that kind of stuff, only to realize that it, two minutes later that it's in my hand the entire time I'm looking for it. Has anyone else done that? Please, tell me. Somebody else has done that? A few people? Good. I'm not a weirdo. That's fine. A few years ago, um, I brought toilet paper. Now, some of you aren't impressed, but a couple of years ago, Josh, that was a hard thing to do. <laughs> Brought toilet paper. Next day, some reason, all the toilet paper goes missing. Can't find any. Searching everywhere. Searching in every room. I'm, I'm even searching in the bedroom, under the covers, under ev- everywhere. I'm searching the kitchen cupboard. I'm looking in the dishwasher. I'm looking everywhere. So I come to the only logical conclusion is that my wife, the beautiful Jessica who did communion, has thrown them all out. Because at the time, she was getting into essential oils. So everything that was was bad for us was getting thrown out at the time. So I thought she'd find, you know, essential oils. You guys know the ones, the ones you can clean your oven with, brush your teeth with. If you sniff it three times, it'll cure your male pattern baldness, that kind of stuff. You know, lavender, lemongrass and dirt. No, that's a bit harsh. It's expensive lavender, lemongrass and dirt. And um, anyway, anything that was kind of bad for us, Jess was cleansing the house. Oh, so I just thought she must have found a problem with toilet paper. She's thrown it all out and she's found some two-in-one oven and bum cleaner or something. 
That was pretty good. <laughs> anyway, I'm frustrated calling Jesse. You throw the toilet paper out. You're going crazy on this stuff. And she's like, no, I didn't throw the toilet paper out. So I'm like, oh, and I turn to my 18-month-old daughter, Summer, and I say, Summer, where is the toilet paper? And she looks at me and just points at the toilet. And I'm like, of all the places, I was searching in the wrong spot. I look, go to the toilet, lift up the toilet. Sure enough, Summer had jammed all the toilet rolls into the toilet. Who has young kids who have done that before? But don't worry, one drop of essential oils and bang, they were gone. I'm kidding. I believe in oils, like canola oil and stuff. It's good. It's, it's one thing to lose something trivial, like a phone or toilet paper or something like that. It's a completely other thing to lose hope, to lose life, to lose meaning, to lose purpose. If Mary is a parallel picture of the world today, then I can guarantee there's some people sitting in this room that feel that way as well, like they've lost hope like they've lost purpose, like they've lost lost some life, like they themselves are lost and searching for something. And we try and be good enough. And it seems like as soon as we take two steps forward, we fall on our face again and we try and make money to bring fulfillment. And then when we make the money, somehow it doesn't bring us fulfillment. And we turn on the news of the time and there's little kids getting shot in schools and there's people starving to death, not because there's lack of resource, but because of greed. And we kind of look around at the world today and we kind of think, what is going on? And we feel lost and we feel confused. Searching for meaning and searching for answers. But can I tell you today, just like Mary, there is a voice that calls to us today, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? Looking for life? You're looking for hope. You're looking for peace. It is not found in man-made wisdom or structures or anything like that. It is found in Jesus. It is found in Jesus. This book that I have in my hand, this book's writings have circulated for Thousands of years. This book has been translated in full or in part to over 3,000 languages. This book is illegal or restricted in 52 countries in the world, yet in all of those countries, if you looked hard enough, it would still be found. This book is read from every week. Some people read it in basements hiding out of fear of their life, and some read it in stadiums and proclaim it as loud as they can. This book has passed time and time again uh, all of the historical accuracies and measures of levels of whether it's legit or not, time and time and time again. This book became the best-selling book in September 21, 1522 and continues to be today. This book is, was written by man but was breathed by God, which means it's alive. It has the breath of God. What do I mean by that? This is the only book on earth that as you read it, it reads you. 
the Spirit of God has inspired and breathed on the words. It's full of history and eyewitness accounts and poems and authentic expressions and stories. It's, of course, the Bible. This book in its simplest form is the story of God and His relentless pursuit of the world that He loves. This book is the only accurate knowledge we have of the God that we serve. It's the story of God. What is the story of God? Well, it starts with God. Spoiler, it ends with Him as well. It starts with God. God always was. He always was. The great self-proclaimed name of God is I am. I am that I am. I always was. I am. God always was. He always is. And He always will be. The God we serve is a creator. To look around in the world today and you can see that meticulously created the world that if things were out of place just an inch it wouldn't work it's a God of detail so God creates the world and everything thereof in it and God is a community in and of himself and God said let us make man in our image to live with us what's he saying let us make God in our image for what for life Why were you created? You were created for life. You were created to live. But that life is only found in and through the author and the creator and the giver of life. This is the beginning of the story of God that He created you and I to be in relationship with Him, to walk on the earth, to be in relationship with each other and to walk with Him in the cool of the day. Because in Him is life. In Him is fulfilment. In Him is purpose. In Him is everything that we could ever need. You may look around at the world today and say, well, the world seems messed up. How could God create it this way? That's not the way that He intended. For He created you to have life and everything that you would ever need through Him. Then mankind rebelled and rejected God in a pursuit to become our own gods. And as we stepped out of our purpose into the pursuit to be our own God, simultaneously we stepped into the curse of sin and sin brought death. The interesting thing is we stepped out to become to try and become our own gods in the search for life and all we found was death. The world was corrupted at that moment because of the sin. Our bodies were corrupted at that moment because of the sin. What is the sin? The sin is independence, disobedience and disbelief in who God is and His Word. The adversary of God came and tempted man. You will be like God. We decided we wanted to be like God, thus making us have no need for God. We stepped out and entered the curse of sin. But God in His loving mercy and grace did not obliterate us right then, but He clothed us. But there was a separation between a holy, powerful, perfect God and the curse of sin and death that was now on man through rebellion and through sin. 
But God had already made a way for revelation. The end of the book says that for at the foundation of the world, the Lamb of God was slain for the sins of man. He clothed us at the beginning of time. Even when we wanted to go our own way, He clothed us. He clothed you. Story goes on. God chose a man to bring forth a nation and a nation to gift a son. Who's the son? Well, we know him as Jesus. Who's Jesus? He's God. For all things were created in him, through him and for him. For the fullness of God dwelt in him. And through his life, death and resurrection, he made a way for us to be reconciled with God. Who's Jesus? Jesus is God Himself. God wrapped Himself up in flesh and blood and came in the form of of a son to redeem the world that He had lost because of love. The story of God is His pursuit for the world that He loved. God Himself came down. And somebody, because of the holy, perfect righteousness of God, had to pay the price. So God said, for our sin and for our rebellion. So God said, I will pay it myself. People say, I don't get it. I'm not sinful. I'm not. Turn on the news. We're confused. We're broken. We're corrupted. It only takes a moment to look deep inside of yourself and realize that something is missing. God Himself came and He paid the price. How did He pay the price? He was stripped naked. He was whipped with a cat of nine tails 39 times. Every whip literally raking the skin off of His back. Some historians will say that 39 times there's not enough flesh on the back. So they would turn them over and start to whip the front. Jesus was whipped 39 times with a cat of nine tails. For you. Because the wrath of God, instead of us being crushed, Jesus chose to be crushed for you. The Bible says like a lamb to the slaughter, he didn't open his mouth, he was silent. That wasn't enough. His back is an open womb. They draped a purple cloth onto him because that was royalty, because he talked about a kingdom that is to come. A kingdom that would accept everyone. And the first would be last and the last would be first. He talked about a new life, that we're dead, but He has come to give you life and life in its abundance. And so as a joke to all that He said, they wrapped a purple robe around His head. They twisted a crown of thorns and drove it onto the top of His head. What they would do with the robe is that His back was an open wound, so they would wait till it was dry and then they would rip it off again and laugh. And they would punch Him and they would spit on Him. And He was doing it all to be crushed for you so that you could have life. He then walked. They had to put the cross on His back, exhausted, hadn't slept for days. The cross is on His back and He walks. I hate the way they portray Jesus in movies. as this weak, frail dude that would fall over if a fly landed on him. Like it's like, that's not the Jesus that came. The Jesus that came went through all of that and still lifted up a cross that sometimes could weigh up to 100 kilos on his back and walked for you. He could have laid there and they would have dragged him, but he didn't. He stood up and he walked for you. 
Why? Because He wanted to be crushed in your place. Why? Because His desire was you. He walked. He walked. He falls in the dirt. Could have left there. But the God you you serve is meekness. Meekness is power under control. An all-powerful God could have called 12 legions of angels at any time to save him. But the God that you serve fell in the dirt. People spat, probably kicked him. But he put the cross back on his back. He lifted himself up. He did it two times for you. The third time he comes, he falls on his face again. He's trying to get back up. He can't. Nobody comes to help him. The ones that he was dying for, nobody comes to help him. They grab a man out of the crowd, throw him at the uh, Jesus' sight. Jesus could have laid there and, and, and stayed there, but the man lifts, helps Jesus lift the cross. And the God that you serve, the God that we serve, did not say laying in the dirt, but he stood himself back up again and continued to walk to the cross. They get to the place of the skull where the crosses were. The cross is laid down. He is stretched out on the cross. Uh, a nine-inch iron nail driven through his wrist, stretched to the other side, dislocating his shoulder probably to make the hole. Another nine-inch iron nail driven through his wrist. His feet are then crossed over left to right and a nine-inch iron nail driven through his ankles. The cross is then flipped over as they knock off the nails on the other side so he wouldn't fall out and then he is plonked in the ground. Crushed. For you for the world that he loved to pay the price for you and me when you look in a Roman crucifixion one of the hardest parts was it was excruciating to breathe in Roman crucifixion they didn't necessarily die from other things they died from suffocation because the only way you could uh, uh, breathe was to lift yourself up on the nail that's through your ankles and take a breath and then lift yourself up again to breathe out there's Jesus. <gasps> Excruciating to breathe, let alone talk. What does he say? Lifts himself up. And as he breathes out, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And that is the echo of eternity. As Jesus sits in heaven right now, what's, the, what's coming out of his mouth? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. As he looks at the world today, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. As he looks at your life today, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. That is the voice that echoes through eternity, and it is the same voice that calls you today. What are you looking for? He dies. First Peter, it says that he goes and he proclaims death to the captives and he sets them free. And then we join Mary in the story, weeping at an empty tomb of Jesus, one who died for us. And the story of God comes to a head at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For He has become the way, the truth, and the life. For He always was, He always is, and He always will be. For He was the way before we needed a way. He was the life before we needed life. And He was the truth at the beginning of time. 
He is everything. It all comes to a head at the resurrection of Christ. Now not only dead, but paid the penalty so that you could come back into your original purpose, so that you could have life again, so that you could be born again, so that once we were dead and in in our dead and in our sin, God can come and set you free today. You want answers, you want fulfilment, you want purpose, you want life, you want hope. It is found in the resurrection of Christ. And you know what? The rest of the story is dictated by you and your answer to Him when He calls your name. For Mary sitting weeping at the tomb of Jesus. Mary calls, I mean Jesus calls Mary's name. Through that whole thing, you could have been like, I don't believe it, sounds like fairy tales. Guess what? I'm the same as you. I was the same. I heard that a lot. I thought it was all fairy tales, but everything changes when He calls your name. You can think it's this fairy tale as much as you want until you come to a place like this or you're sitting in your bedroom or something happens and you hear the voice of the Lord call your name. And it may not be audibly, but you know when He's calling your name. It all changes when He calls your name. For Mary, it all changed when He called her name. How do I know? I was in. How do I know it's true? The world that I grew up in was broken and hurting and and didn't make any sense. And I was a 16 year old who was lost and broken and hurting and nothing made sense. And I didn't believe in anything. And I didn't know what the answers were. And I was struggling to find fulfillment. And I needed to find life. And I needed something to change. And I came to into a service like this. And for whatever reason, my heart started beating and I heard Jesus call my name. When I responded and said, God, if that is you, I want you in my life. I physically felt lighter. For months afterwards, I walked around physically lighter for He had set me free. And I had done nothing to deserve it. And I still don't earn it. I still can't earn it. But He called my name. And He's calling your name today. Whether you like it or not, He's calling your name because the story of God. Is his relentless pursuit of the world, which includes you. He's calling your name this morning. He's calling your name this morning. The band can come back up. Because we're going to sing the song, King of Kings, again. Really, the King of Kings, the story, the, the song is the story. It's calling your name. Just before we do that, could we just bow out our heads and close our eyes just for a moment? Jesus wants to give you new life. He died to give you new life. You may not understand it all, but you feel like something's shifting and moving inside of you and He's calling your name. I want to give you the opportunity to respond so that I can pray for you and we're not going to get you out the front or anything like that. You know, there's nobody's looking around except for me because I just want to see who I'm praying for. But if you want to respond to the Spirit of God who's calling your name right now, then in a second, I'm going to ask you just to lift your hand and then pop it back down just so I can see who I'm praying for. 
And so maybe you've never heard the story of God before. Maybe you've never heard Jesus before. Maybe you never have thought that He could call your name before. But this thing is too important for you not to at least see if He's real or not. For He's calling your name. Maybe you've been a Christian or claimed to be a Christian for a very long time. But for whatever reason, right now you feel Him calling your name again. Would you respond? Whenever I feel like God's calling my name, would, we, would you respond again? On the count of three, I just want you to lift your hand. If that's you, just so I can see we're praying for, we're going to pray, we're going to sing this song. We're going to go, we're going to eat Easter eggs, hot cross buns, all that good stuff. And... But if that's you, would you lift your hand right now in the moment? One, two, three. If that's you and you want to respond, lift your hand. Thank you, I see that hand. I see that hand over there. Thank you. If there's anyone else in this place today, yeah, I see that hand. Thank you. Amazing. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for all that you have done for us. I thank you that you've called our name, that you've set us free, that you've brought us new life. I thank you for your goodness and for your grace. I thank you that you paid the price for us to be free. You paid the price for us to be free. We thank You for Your kindness and Your goodness. And Lord, I pray for every heart that was turned towards You, every hand that was lifted. Jesus, would You encounter them? Would they step in, Lord God, to their purpose again? Would they be reborn into new life? Would they be born into life and life in its abundance? Right now in Jesus' Name, would You encounter them? Holy Spirit, would You sweep across this place and would You move on hearts right now in Jesus' Name? But for you have set us free and we are thankful for that. We are so thankful for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the last part of the story is this. Mary is there. She thinks that Jesus is someone that he's not. I can identify with that as well. And then Jesus calls her name and he goes, she goes, teacher, Lord, runs and wraps his arms around her, around him. And Jesus goes, hold on, hold on, hold on. Go and tell people that I'm alive. For she had already known and she had seen that Jesus was alive. And then he goes, hey, hey, don't hold on to me. Go and tell people that I'm alive. Don't just come and sit in church. Go and tell people that I'm alive. Don't just give out Easter eggs at Easter. Go and tell people that I'm alive. Don't just hold on and have, try and have this emotional experience. Go, go and tell people that, that I'm alive. That is the whole point. We're supposed to go and tell people that He's alive. Even when Jesus calls Mary's name, she hugs Him and he, she embraces Him. But the very next thing He says is, go, go and tell them that I'm alive. For we have embraced Jesus. Many of us in this room and some of us just now today have embraced Jesus. And what would His Word be to us today? Go and tell people that I'm alive. Because He was crushed for you. For Paul says, I am unashamed of the gospel for the power of salvation. He's alive. He's alive. And He's worthy to be worshipped, which is what we're going to do. And when we walk out those doors, let's go and tell people that He's alive. And He's welcome. Come on, would you stand at your feet this morning with me?
And you know, when we sing this this morning, you should sing it with everything that you have. For He was crushed for you. And there has to be a point. There has to be a point. This is not about personality. Oh, some people like singing loud. Some people. This is not about personality. This is about honoring and worshiping the King of Kings the way that He deserves to be worshipped and honored. The arrogance of man would say, I don't want to worship God out of fear of what I look like. Can you imagine if God said the same? I don't want to die for them out of fear of what I would be perceived in this world. Let's worship God this morning the way that He deserves. For this is talking about the story of God that has set us all free. And you know, I love the bit, the church of Christ was born. That's you and me. What's our role? Go and tell people He's alive. Look after and care for each other. For it is His plan to continue to redeem the earth. Is His church. Is His church. Come on, will we pray and then we'll sing, Lord, we just give you all the glory and all the honour and all the, you're worthy of all the worship, Jesus. You're worthy of all of our worship. And Lord, I pray right now that we would get over what people think of us and we would worship you with all that we have this morning. We love you, Jesus. We give you all the glory and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's worship God together. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.